Welcome to Word Matters, presented by the Holman Christian Standard Bible. Word Matters is a podcast dedicated to helping Christians understand some of the most confusing and controversial passages of the Bible. And now, join the conversation with your hosts, Trevin Wax and Brandon Smith. What is the sin that leads to death? That is the question that we will answer on this episode of Word Matters. I'm Brandon Smith, the HCSB spokesperson here with my co-host Trevin Wax, managing editor of The Gospel Project. And uh, we're talking today about the sin that leads to death, but there's also the flip side, which is the sin that does not lead to death, which is in the passage we'll discuss today. That's right. There are a um, few passages of Scripture that have been more debated than this one. The Apostle John, uh, in his letter, 1 John chapter 5, um, he gives this categorizing of sin that comes at the end of the letter. So he he talks about sin that leads to death and sin that doesn't lead to death. Um, and it's been explained in many ways over the centuries. And even today, there's not necessarily a clear consensus as right. to what this refers to. So, Yeah, so let's set the context a little bit, and then we'll read the passage. So um, there's kind of a lot here to pull in, a lot of context to pull in. But yes. uh, basically, John has been speaking about assurance uh, throughout here. And so the point has been that you know, the true believer should rest assured that you know their knowledge of Jesus Christ is to take joy in knowing um, their salvation, that they've entered eternal life. Um, and when you study John's gospel and his letters, you 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 know you discover pretty quickly um, that he emphasizes new creation, eternal life when speaking about salvation. And there's always this tie to um, assurance and confidence um, in your faith in a way that's distinctive even from other gospels or uh, even the letters of Paul. Right. And, you know, when we talk when John talks about eternal life, we do need to make sure that people see this as something that's happening already. When we say eternal life, we're not just talking about your future state after death. Uh, Just a few verses before this passage, John speaks of eternal life as a present reality. It's another kind of existence. It's like the the future life has burst into the present here and now. It's that it's this is the life of new creation. Uh, the life that's going to abide after this world and all its lusts fade away. And uh, it's important to keep that in mind because that comes into play in the different interpretations of this passage. I think we just tipped our hand at our eschatology a little bit there, didn't we? Maybe. Uh, maybe. <laughs> anyway, so the logic of First uh, John five thirteen to 15, uh, so maybe we can give kind of an outline here that would be helpful. So, um, you know, those who believe in Christ can know that they have eternal life. That's the assurance package. Uh, maybe a second point would just be that um, those who know that they have eternal life can be confident in knowing that and that God hears their prayers uh, in accordance with his will. So right. God's not manipulated, but he can he will he will um, answer prayers, of course. Um, and then uh, those whose prayers are heard can confidently expect an answer from God. Um, so, you know, immediately following uh, this uh, encouraging paragraph on prayer um, in accordance with God's will, of course, we we'll keep, right. keep focusing on that, keep pointing that out. Um, comes this debated passage that we're talking about today about prayer for a brother who has committed a sin that le- that does not lead to death. Okay, so with all that as prologue, let's read the actual passage. First John five sixteen and seventeen in the HCSB. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin that does not bring death, he should ask, and God will give life to him. To those who commit sin that doesn't bring death, there is sin that brings death. I am not saying he should pray about that. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is sin that does not bring death. Okay, so like we mentioned, two types of sin. There's the sin that uh, does not bring death or lead to death, and then there's the sin that does. Um, and so there's different ways of praying based on that. So don't pray for that sin. Pray for that sin, yeah. right? And the question here is, what in the world is John talking about, right? right? I mean, you can you can translate the phrase literally this way. If anyone sees his brother sinning sin not towards death, he <laughs> shall ask and he will give him life. Right. 
Okay, that's how that's how it goes. What in the world is he is he saying? Okay, so let's look at a few views. I mean, I, there's probably more. There are more. I've tried to get four. these. I mean, I've tried so to get many. these into categories here. Yeah, so but we got try. a couple here, and Trev did a good job pulling together some of the more popular ones here. So, um, the first view is that this distinct, distinction between the sin that brings death and the sin that does not bring death uh, refers to a specific sin that's punishable by death. So, you, you look in the Old Testament, you see the idea of um, there are these sins that were capital crimes that death penalty was mm-hmm. um, basically applied uh, to those sins. Uh, so it's a difference between sins of ignorance or presumptuous sins that are made, you know, with intentionality. So many of the church fathers have brought this interpretation from the Old Testament, brought it over into the New Testament, uh, pointing to the case of Ananias and Sapphira in Acts 5, where he drops dead. That's right. That was a sin that, that led to death. Yeah, There's for no sure. Doubt. And no doubt about that. Yeah. Uh, Tertullian, the great church father, um, listed serious sins like murder, adultery, uh, and blasphemy as things that were beyond pardon. So these sins that may not be forgivable or that may lead to death. Uh, and then even in the Roman Catholic Church, you eventually get this distinction between mortal and uh, venial sins. Venial? Venial? Venial. I, I, I mean, never know. I think I, I, I think that's right. And I mean, this is this is one of the main passages of yeah. Scripture that they base that in. Yeah. So, so, so to sum this up, first view takes on uh, the idea that John means uh, that there are specific sins that are punishable by death. So literal physical death. And, that's right. Yeah. Not eternal death necessarily. Okay, second view considers the sin to be apostasy. So the sin that leads to death is not a specific sin. It's more of a of the life of denying Christ, renouncing the faith. And so there are some commentators, they take Hebrews 6, Hebrews 10, uh, the possibility of apostasy there. And that this means that... Uh, the, the, and, and, the, and the way that this gets applied within the context of First John is to say that the false teachers that John has written about in his letter, those who have gone out from us because they were yeah, not of us, you know, yeah. uh, they have committed the sin leading to death. So you don't even pray for them, right? right. Their fate is sealed, that kind of thing. And then, uh, yeah, so you've got the third view uh, that John is referring to uh, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which Jesus talks about in Mark 3 um, as this eternal sin for which there is no forgiveness. And so, we're going to have to do a podcast on that one, too. Yeah, we will at some oh, point. At some point, yes. Yeah, so um, so there's that idea, that tie to this Mark 3 unforgivable sin, unpardonable sin. Um, and so this is the person who, you know, in John's language, loves darkness instead of light. You see him talk about that a lot, right. that juxtaposition. Uh, so his sin leads to eternal death, to eternal separation from God. So first view, physical death. This one, eternal death. Um, evidence for this view comes from the fact that John, you know, calls the other, other earlier person, the one whose sin does not lead to death, a brother. So mm-hmm. doesn't lead to death, so they're a brother. Uh, but does not mention the same thing about the other person. They don't say that that person is a brother. He doesn't right. say that. So That's it's right. interesting. Yeah, I mean, there are some other views as well. We're not going to go into them. I mean, there's the, also the idea that sin could be referring to physical death that comes as a result of sin. So a little different than the one mm. than the first option you mentioned, like basically like sickness. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like sin, sin in some way affects you and brings about death. But that view is really rare because it would then apply, imply that you don't pray for <laughs> for sick people who may be sick. Right. Like you'd have to distinguish: is this person sick because they're suffering because of their mm. sin? Because then we can't pray for them. You yeah. know, like James it, five gets a little weirder. Yes. So that seems to contradict other views. So we're, we're going to stick with the main three, right? Yeah. That, um, and and we'll we'll go. So yeah. So um, so now that we've looked at these three main ones, at least, um, Trevin, where you at? No, no, you first. You've done this. You do this to me. Sorry. You make me go first. Sorry, you were first. Okay. Um, <laughs> the first will be last. So you go, you go okay. last first. Okay. Okay. I, I, I can go if you go want ahead, to. Go okay. So I, I don't think it's the first one. The idea that there are specific sins in view here. Like there's a category of this is a serious sin and this is a non-serious sin. Like right. I, I don't, I don't think that that's true because there is a sense in which 
all sin leads to death, right? The wages of sin, it's not the wages of some sin is death, right? The wages of all sin is, <laughs> right. is, is death. Um, I don't think it's the second option, which is the apostasy one, partly because my view of perseverance of the saints, um, eternal security le- basically leads me to believe that one who is truly born again will never fall away. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm putting my theological cards out on the table here, and I'm just admitting that that does influence the way I read this text. But I think I can make the case for that only from First John if I wanted to, yeah. right? So I, I don't have all the time to go into that here. But I'm not, I don't think that my system is like determining my view of of this text. Well, I think there's no such thing as coming to scripture without any presuppositions. That's right. So, I'm just, but I'm just laying the presupposition yeah. out on the table yeah. that I don't believe one can, who's genuinely saved will yeah. lose their salvation. So uh, that then leaves the third option: blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Uh, John Stott's commentary on this, Love Stott, he he says we're praying in both cases for an unbeliever. Hmm. Okay, and that the brother when it says pray if you see a brother in sin that it's referring to the broad brother like as in your neighbor right mm-hmm. um so that in one case you pray for a lost person who needs life and God saves him, but in the other case you don't pray for false teachers who have blasphemed the Holy Spirit because they are antichrists uh to use John's terminology mm. so I'm laying Stott's terminology or John's terminology. John's yeah the, the apostle, apostle John's terminology right uh because you know to John talks of them as antichrists yeah. these false teachers so my view is close to that but i i don't i just don't think that the brother here is referring just to neighbors or friends or family like like just fellow human beings i i think that it's about a true believer in christ and so i don't i disagree with stott in saying that when you pray for this person you're praying that uh that they will get saved i think we're praying for believers who have fallen into some some kind of sin we're we're praying for them are are we're we're wanting them to have a restored fellowship of god yeah. so it's a little bit different from from the other three but I, I'll, we can get into some more of that when we talk about how we would preach or teach it what's, yeah. what's your view on it yeah i I'm, i guess i'm a combo of two or two and three um maybe uh so i would say that the sin that leads to death is the same as the blasphemy of the holy spirit i think that's okay. Um, I think that's clear here in the way that uh, I think the the scope of First John, where he keeps talking about, there's these ones who are in darkness, there's these ones who walk away, there's these ones who fall away. Um, the idea for me, at least, when I look at apostasy, we might disagree on apostasy's definition here. I'm not sure, but but apostasy can be as, as simple as somebody who says that they believe and they eventually prove out that they don't. So I think that somebody can commit apostasy and he could consider them a brother and then say, nope, they're not brothers, which goes back to first, first John two. Um, and so basically there, there is no forgiveness for that sin. Why pray for an unforgivable sin? We need to be praying for the ones who have sins that need to be forgiven. Um, because really Mark three, I think the point when Jesus says blasphemy of the Holy, against the Holy spirit will not be forgiven is the idea that there's one sin that Jesus can't forgive. And that's lack of faith. That's not believing in him. You can't forgive a sin. You have to have faith in him to have your sins forgiven. And so in this passage, I think John is is pointing to that, uh, basically saying that there is a sin that leads to death, and it's the sin that can't be forgiven. It's but, the, but the, the eternal the, sin. The difficulty here, though, is is in figuring out who John is telling you not to pray for. Like, how do you know when someone has 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 done this unforgivable yeah. sin and that's the that's Seems a, to be the fruit though right i mean so first well, john two nineteen, we knew they weren't of us because they okay, walked well away that, from and us that's what i was so, going to ask you because yeah. then i think okay well if you come back to the false teachers that john has talked about then it's a little more specific than just anybody hmm. who has committed a sin leading to death it, it's there the fruit that you see in the life is this persistence in false teaching and that's where i think uh john stott is right i think john is discouraging prayer for the false teachers 
maybe, and the way Stott talks about it is maybe that he he want, doesn't want his readers to go too quickly to accept them back into the community, mm-hmm. right? That um, he he says, look, these people have the spirit of Antichrist, that you're— um, it, Satan could actually use the compassion of the Christian to cause people to keep pursuing them in order to bring them back to the church. Right. And I think John, the Apostle John, is saying, nope, darkness and light are not mixing here. The, they have gone out from us because they were not of us. Let them go, basically. Mm-hmm. They they appear to be apostate from the standpoint of the church. Um, whether or not they were ever true believers is a question, depending on you know where you line up yeah. theologically. But yeah. that I, I think that helps in the application point that you mm-hmm. don't just simply assume, well, this per- friend of mine who is not trusting in Christ and shows no interest, they must have committed the, uh, you know, the unpardonable sin. Right. Therefore I will cease to pray for them. I, I think it, we're better off if we're a little more specific. Yeah, I agree. agree I agree with that. that. Okay. No, I agree with that. I think too, it's, you look at, uh, tie it in with like first Corinthians five, where Paul says, you know, there's this guy who's committing sin and sleeping with his mother-in-law and you guys are letting him do that. Send him out to be with Satan, basically, so that he can see his sin. We're going to do but, one on that, too. Yeah, we should We're going to do, do a podcast that. on that one. We're making a yeah. lot of promises. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but well. I do think there's a tie there where Paul is saying this is a brother who you need to uh, discipline uh, in order to bring him back. Whereas for, John doesn't seem to be saying that about these people. He doesn't seem to be giving them a lot of hope <laughs> for after the sin that leads to death that they commit, which I, which I think is fine to say is apostasy. But you're right. It needs to be nuanced, too. Um, first John is really about antichrists and false teachers, uh, if nothing else. And when he says brothers throughout, he's always talking about believers, disciples. So, yeah, well, not all the time, but 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 I mean, because there there is evidence that he, when he's speaking about brothers, he's also speaking about neighbors. Mm, I'm you can make that, that. You can make that point. Let's do an episode on you that can, too. No, Kevin. you can make that. You can make that case. <laughs> so, uh, but here here's the. The way I would preach and teach this, if I'm talking about, if I want, if I want to get to the application point here, yeah. um, I would want people to understand sin not leading to death, sin that doesn't bring death. That is still sin and it's still serious, but it's taking place within this realm of new creation, this realm of yeah. eternal life, like we talked about earlier, that John is so, so high on. So John is not saying you have, now you've got sins that are less serious than other sins. I think he's saying, look... There is still sin that is going to exist in the life of the believer, even though the new life has come, even though new creation has dawned. Um, until we are glorified, the believer is going to be tempted, will inevitably sin, but we won't we won't persist in sin. And you see that tension, mm-hmm. those two truths in tension in John throughout walking his in light, walking in darkness. That's right. That's right. Uh, the true believer will not will not sin in one sense because he's already passed from death to life, but because the true believer is not yet perfected, then the sin that he that he commits is going to be forgiven whenever he, you know, he comes, he continues mm-hmm. in faith and repentance. And so sin, not unto death, that's the sin in the life of the believer. We pray for each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, yeah. that we would, that we would receive new life, not, not, not conversion life, but, but new life. And, and the other thing I would say before I, I'm here, curious to how you would pray, uh, preach this, this text is um, to say, you know, uh, the emphasis here is on prayer. Right. Yeah. So if I'm preaching on this, I want I want people to walk away praying more, yeah. interceding more, um, not figuring out, OK, who do I pray for? Who do I not pray for? But to know, hey, when it comes to the life of the believer and, you know, it's interesting, the HCSB um, here um, actually makes a an interpretive a decision when it says um, in I think it's verse 17 when, or verse 16 when it says, um, if anyone sees his brother committing a sin that does not bring death, he should ask and God will give life to him. Mm-hmm. Well, the original language doesn't have God 
explicitly said there. It says he should ask and he will give life to him. And you don't know, should that he be capitalized? Mm, yeah. Is this the brother giving life or is this God giving life? Now, a lot of people say, well, it must be God. But but the the either way, the emphasis is on God giving life through this brother's prayer, right? right. This life coming through intercessory prayer. And so the, I would... The answered I, prayer still comes from God. That's ultimately. right. That's right. So I, I would just uh, want to emphasize the intercessory application for yeah. this passage. Now, I think that's really helpful. I think the only thing that I might add or point out is I do think I, I have, I feel strongly enough about the idea here that there is this unforgivable sin, the sin that leads to death, the sin that is not, I mean, the, if a sin leads to death and we're saying it's eternal death, we and both you should not pray that. for it. Pray yeah, for there's, there's yeah. something pretty serious here. That's right. So I, I want to point that out and, but focus on the idea that if you have faith in Christ, any sin that you have can be forgiven. Any sin you pray for uh, can be forgiven um, because ultimately um, death is defeated by Christ on the cross and his resurrection. That's right. So there is no, the sin that leads to death is, is, is somehow not covered by that. But if you're a believer, all of your sins do not lead to death because Christ has defeated death. That's good. Yeah. And I think it's good to say that because the, the sensitive consciences in your congregation yeah. Um, Struggling they, with doubt and unbelief. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they look, look at this. Have I committed this sin that leads to death? Right. You know, people shouldn't even pray for me now. Mm-hmm. You know, that you, you do have to, to come along with the, the, uh, the balm of the gospel there. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. All right, Trevin, thanks as always for hopping on. Thank you guys for listening. We will see you next time. Thanks for listening. Word Matters is presented by the Holman Christian Standard Bible, a translation that is faithful to the original languages but clear for today's readers. Find out more at hcsb.org.